right, let's go. Welcome to The Dad Presents, where we pledge allegiance only to family and principle. Thank you, Kitty, so much for participating and listening to this show. I'm so grateful, guys. It's it's legit ridiculous, the growth we've had here. The last episode alone with Larry Sharp got 15,000 audio plays in a week. I mean, I, just, I can't believe there's 15,000 d- dum-dums out there who would listen to me. I mean, what's wrong with you guys? Nobody in this house even listens to a word I have to say, but 15,000 of you are listening. You guys should probably seek help or something. I'm kidding. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Um, and just our second spot on YouTube, and we've already got a thousand plus views. And that's crazy. Um, I expect the YouTube to start growing a lot faster because despite the horrible lighting in here, if you're looking at me right now, and despite this pathetic little bookshelf that I had my wife buy with eight whole books on it, I asked her to find me something to, you know, to, to decorate the background and make it look cool. She gets me that tiny little thing. But whatever, I appreciate you, love. Thank you for doing that. Despite all that, you guys know you're looking at me. I'm a solid eight out of ten. And I know you guys want to go to YouTube just to look at me. And pretty soon... Lucky for you guys, I'm going to be doing the show with my pants off. So you'll finally be able to be introduced to Thor, and you will appreciate that. So anyway, guys, you're all good people, and I thank you. In a few minutes, we're going to have on Christine Hutcherson, Spreading Love and Liberty. Now, Christine, she founded Women Fighting for America, and she spent seven months working on the border um, down in Mexico. And she, man... Guys, this woman has some gnarly story, stories, just just crazy stuff. Um, and in recent weeks, I've had on some people on here who have been saying some pretty wild stuff. Now, here's, here's the deal with this stuff. I verify these people are, are who they say they are. I validate their history. I validate their, their credentials. Um, and I verify, verify the facts that they present. I can do that. Um, so for, for Christy... I validated that she did actually start the foundation she said she started, Women Fighting for America. And I validated that she has worked with senators on some issues. That's true. I also validated that she spent seven months at the border working on all kinds of crises down there. So she's legit. She's the real deal. Um, However, a couple of the stories she shared, I, I just, I can't possibly validate them. I can't. There's no way for me to do that. Um, It doesn't mean they're not true. And that's not what I'm saying. It just means I can't validate it. I don't have proof. And But we're living in this new age of censorship. And I believe censorship is the most dangerous thing to a population of people. Um, that's how power gets abused and people get repressed. So her stories deserve to be heard. And you can be the judge about what you think of them. Okay? Um, so that interview is in a few it's magnificent. She's she's amazing, and you got to hear it. Definitely encourage you to listen. Uh, yeah, but first, how you guys doing? Um, did you go trick-or-treating this weekend? Did you dress up? I'm wondering how many of you a-holes went as Indians. How many of you put feathers on your head and culturally appropriated? I'm guessing probably about 80%, knowing my audience. Uh, Not because you're insensitive people, but because I know you're like me and you like to poke the bear. You don't like being told what to do. Anyway, we went trick-or-treating and uh, this year, my oldest, Keller, now I'm going to talk a little softer because he's in the other room and this is a sensitive subject. He's 12 now and he just, he wasn't too into it. You know, he's, 
He's growing up. That's what happens, you know? And he would have rather hung out with his friends, which he did later that night. And it's an amazing experience watching your kids grow up. It's, It's amazing. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's the best. But sometimes it's also sad, you know? I mean, as a parent, our lives revolve around taking care of our kids, protecting them, providing for them, teaching them. We, we, we do all of these things to prepare them for the real world. You know, we want them to become independent, high quality humans who can take care of themselves and who put more good into the world than they take out of it. Um, so when this actually starts happening, when they actually start growing up and asserting themselves and wanting, wanting to be their own person, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, it's kind of bittersweet. Like that's what you've been working for, but it's also sad. But it's inevitable. And if you've done your job well, it's just natural that they will begin to pull away and spread their wings. It's, it's, it's the saddest, happiest thing of all time as a parent. You know, but, but wouldn't it be worse if they didn't start to spread their wings? Like if they just wanted to stay curled up under mommy and daddy's wings till they were 40 years old? Like, wouldn't that be worse? I'm sure some of you would love to have your kids home till you're 40, including my wife. Um, but doesn't that mean your kid kind of turned out to be a loser, right? So you want them to assert themselves. You want them to spread their wings. But at the same time, it's sad. But, but, but anyway, one, one thing that sucks as they enter their teen years is just all the tragic normal stuff that happens to teenagers. I mean... Being a teen, it's hard. It's just hard. And I know you guys look at this handsome, polished individual in front of you right now and you think, shit, man, that dude had to be homecoming king. Damn, man, that dude was probably the king. He was probably the principal. That dude is so cool. The dad is so cool. I'm sure he walked into the principal's office the first day of school and he pulled out his fat hammer, slapped the principal across the face with it and said, this is my job now, buddy. I know that's what you guys think. (laughs) But the truth is, I was awkward as fuck. I was an awkward teen. I, I preferred to spend my time Alone in my room, making lists, organizing baseball cards. Um, and also, I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things that other teens were doing. So my options were kind of limited. And most of the time when I would ask if I could go to a party, the answer was no. But the truth is, I also didn't get invited to many, if not most of the parties. Wasn't the coolest kid. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a dick slinging swan right now but but as a teen i was an ugly duckling and i was an ugly duckling with a big fat mouth and that's that's not a good combination especially in a high school um where football is the religion and your your high school's filled with 300 pound hairy italian apes with too much testosterone bad combination Right. So anyway, this is about my kid. He's he, he's way nicer than I am. He's a sweetie pie, sweetest kid I know. He's 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 a better dude than I was. He's better. He's a good dude. He's just better. Um. But whereas I had a hard edge to me at that time, even though I was small and even though I wasn't the coolest, I had a hard edge. I could take I could take any any bullying like it it water off my back. Um. He's a big softy and he gets his feelings hurt. 
And when I see him get his feelings hurt, and this is where I got to whisper, I, sometimes he likes to press his ear up against the door because you know how kids and, and wives can be nosy. But um, he when, when I see him get his feelings hurt like that, it just makes me want to murder little 12-year-olds. Really, like I get a rage inside me. Um, but you can't do that. You know, you can't go roaming around the neighborhood murdering 12-year-olds who hurt your kids' feelings. You can't do that, right? Can you? Pretty sure you can't. Um, and it's the natural order of things. This is just how it goes. Friends, as they, as they hit puberty, um, and some kids hit puberty faster than others, they break off into cliques and friend groups, and kids get their feelings hurt. It has always happened. It will always happen. It's reality. So my kid's feelings were hurt because he wasn't invited to a certain party and it upset my wife quite a deal, quite a deal. Like it was a whole thing for about a week and a half. She was very upset and I don't like seeing my kid upset. I don't like seeing my wife upset. So I, I was bothered and her instinct is to protect her children like all mamas, right? But the thing is by trying to protect him, she actually made it worse because you can't fight your kids' battles. You can't protect them from this stuff. All you can do as a parent is give them the tools they need to stand up for themselves and and endure, you know, teach them, um, give them the tools to deal with bullies, to deal with getting their feelings hurt, and then be there for them when they do get their feelings hurt to lessen the blow a little bit, but stay out the business, right? You're just going to make it worse. Um, yeah, but it, it hurts watching your kid get hurt. It, it hurts because there's just nothing you can do to fix it. And that sucks. And I imagine there's going to be a lot more of this in the next five, six years. It's the way it is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, the, te- the, the, the bride and I, we dressed up. Um, we make a big deal out of Halloween. I like dressing up. I think it's fucking fun. I do it every year and I usually do some wild outfits, but this year I was busy with work, so I didn't have time to plan something out. So I gave her the reins and I let her, her work it out. She decided we would go as like a seventies couple. So lame. Like, come on, man. I'm a creative guy. Right. And I got, I got these bumps, you know, I got the curves. I got, I want to put it out there on Halloween. So Two days before Halloween, I wasn't having that. Okay, we're going to go as a 70s couple. She was a cute, sexy hippie. I decided to paint my body gold, and I got a pair of tight gold pleather pants that fanned out in the bell bottoms, and I went as a solid gold dancer, and kapow, it was nice. Now, my brother-in-law, he saw us, and he called us the hippie and the homo, and that's fine. I didn't argue with him because... he wasn't entirely off. That's that's what we looked like. And also, my brother-in-law, he's the mafia boss of the South Bay. And that's a true story. So I don't really mouth off to him, even though he's five foot six. I don't mouth off to him because, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes you got to pull your punches. Um, But, you know, after Halloween and every Halloween, Halloween has become this this festival of complaints from the social justice warrior left about every little thing you try to dress up of is it's offensive and you need to be canceled. And I'm so over it. And for the first couple of years, I tried to like fall in line and do the right thing. But in the past couple of years, I've gone out of my way to do stuff that might be pushing boundaries because it's just irritating. Like it's just supposed to be fun. And and what I, I also got irritated about this year is a lot of stuff on social media after this now about about women being objectified on on Halloween. And it's like, 
man, if women really hate being objectified so much, especially on Halloween, then why are 90% of the women's costumes slutty something, right? You got slutty nurse, slutty handmaid, slutty ninja, slutty nun, slutty giraffe. I don't know. Every, every, think of every costume ever, put the word slutty before it's a costume that you can get on Amazon. And 90% of the costumes you will see in LA are women wearing exactly that. Not all women, but a lot of them. They, they, they use the holiday as an excuse to look super sexy, right? And that's fine. And I applaud it and we enjoy it. But how at the end of that, do you complain about being objectified, right? And if women hate being objectified so much, just, just this is an honest question. Why then whenever they see each other, when two girls get together and they see each other, why is the first thing out of their mouth usually, oh, you look so cute or oh, you look so good. Aren't they kind of objectifying each other? I mean, I just legit want to know the rules because all these things become very confusing. Because sometimes if you compliment a woman, they love it, right? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they love it. Sometimes, if you compliment a woman, you get canceled. Just give us a hard and fast rule. Make it easy. Write it down. Let us know. You can compliment your girl, but only above the chin and only on Tuesdays when we have a new moon. Whatever, man. I don't know. Just make a rule. Get together. Get together, ladies. Have a conference. Make a rule. Let us know right? We're follow the rules. And you know, if, if, if women hate being objectified, why also do they spend so much time and money attempting to improve their physical appearance? And why do they inject themselves with poisons and plastics in order to look better? Cause this happens, right? I'm not about to inject some poison in my face to look a couple years younger, but it's very common out here in certain social circles, and by certain social circles, I mean all the social circles. Like literally every circle out here, girls are putting poison in their face. And that's fine. Do you. Do what you want to do. Beautify yourself. Take pride in your body. But then how are you going to get mad when we appreciate that beauty? And that's what objectifying is. We see a beautiful thing. We appreciate it. Sometimes we say, hey, that thing's beautiful. And admiring a woman's beauty, it doesn't mean that, that you don't love all the other amazing ways in which women are incredible. Women are the best. I would so much rather hang out with a bunch of women than dudes. And that's the truth. In non-sexual ways, they're more interesting. They talk about more interesting things. They share their feelings. They smell better. They're nicer to look at. Yes. Right. So just because I can recognize that, that you are nice to look at, doesn't mean I don't appreciate everything else. And this goes for all guys, right? I mean, I find, honestly, honestly, I find nothing sexier than a woman who can hold a good conversation. That's the sexiest to me. Nothing sexier than that. Except maybe a woman who has an artistic talent and a great ass. And you know, sometimes there's moments like not all the time, definitely not all the time, not even most of the time, but sometimes there's times when I value that ass more than the conversation. And I don't think that's wrong. And I don't think I'm unique in that way because our biology as men 
It makes us physically attracted to the female form. Our biology, our attraction, our desire for women is what makes us spray out baby seeds and keeps the human race moving forward, right? Now, now you can attempt to kill that instinct in men, but you're going to kill the human race when you do that. You know, you want to be a baby murderer? Okay. Then tell men that they're not allowed to be turned on by them bumps. Okay. Now, look, I know, I know there's creeps out there. I've known some creeps. And I also know there's some dudes who are just awkward and don't know how to give a proper compliment without making it weird. And also there's like hideous, unattractive, undesirable men who women don't want to hear it from, which is kind of weird because in a way those women are objectifying the men and using that as the determination on whether or not they will accept that compliment. But whatever, that's, that's not the point. What I'm saying is guys can take it too far sometimes for sure, for sure. Um, you know, guys are a bunch of pervs. And when guys get together and talk amongst themselves, they're fucking gross. Just, just are. And sometimes it's a contest to see who can be more gross than the next guy. Is what it is. And sometimes some of that slips over when they're talking to a woman and that's wrong. Don't be gross, guys. Don't be gross. Don't be pervs. You know, if you, ju- if you, just, take, if you just take some some ice cubes and take a deep breath and put the ice cubes in that crotch fire and take a deep breath and just chill... I suspect a lot of women, when you go about it the right way, they enjoy being objectified a little bit. They like being the object of your objectification. I know we men, we like it. You can objectify us all you want, ladies. Like, please, please. I hope you're watching on YouTube. Please get in my comments and say some shit about my bumps. Please do it. And yeah, I know it's different. It's different for a guy. But I'm just letting you know. You have my permission. You have my consent. You have my consent to objectify me. I am mad at you. What else? Consent. Speaking of consent, um, it this new, this new thing where you have to ask for consent at every step of a hookup. It just seems so silly, and I'm just so I I I, I feel for the the kids today, the teens. I don't know if they're actually doing this, like if they're actually asking for consent at every step, because my my kid, he's not there yet. But it just seems so awkward. And here's the thing, like Hollywood is the one pushing out this this agenda, this message of you got to ask for consent at every step. You know, may may I touch your breast over your sweater? Uh, May I kiss you with my tongue, right? They're the ones pressing that message, but yet, I've never seen a movie where a character has said, um, may I put my hand on your thigh? Why is that? This, this is a message coming from Hollywood. Why is that never in a movie? And, and I'll tell you why. It's because as much as Hollywood loves pushing a liberal agenda, you know what they like more than that? They like money. And that shit ain't sexy. And if it ain't sexy, it doesn't sell. So they're not going to put that in their movies. You know what else I've never seen in a movie? A condom. Like safe sex does not exist in the movies. I don't know how there's not just a a, a new baby in every single movie ever made by Hollywood because there's no such thing as safe sex in Hollywood in a movie. Come on, have you ever seen it? I haven't. Anyway, uh, what else? I'm also what else? I had something else on my mind. Oh yeah, politics. Right. Okay. So let's get into that. I'm getting tired of arguing politics 
with dumb people. In the past two years, I've been very, very polite with friends. I'm actually, despite how you may hear me here, I, I, I keep things real at all times. But when I'm talking with friends, I don't really engage in arguments because um, I don't want to do that with friends. I don't want to argue with my friends. I love my friends. But because I'm so nice in those discussions, I, I've been called names um, and people get heated. And I just can't take it anymore. I'm done with it. It's dumb. People in society have become so binary in their thinking. It's like there's only two teams in society that you can be on. And as soon as you say a couple things, everybody mentally, they they place you on one of those two political teams. And then they immediately assume they know every single thing about you based on the couple things you said. And the sad thing is that for much of the population, you can hear them say a couple things and know all the other things they believe in, because the truth is they don't actually believe in anything. They have no principles. They're just on a political team. They're followers, not leaders. But we're not all like that. Some of us are nuanced. Some of us do actually have principles. Like I believe in freedom, right? That's a principle I believe in. It doesn't matter if that freedom is the right to bear arms, the right to decide about a COVID vaccination, or the right to marry my gay turtle whatever. I believe in freedom. See what I'm saying? That's a principle. So you can't say I'm a, I'm a Republican or a Democrat when you hear me say something as it relates to freedom, because I'm neither of those things. But we've become so binary in the society that everybody assumes they know you and it's super icky. It's just gross. Um, the world, it's just, it's, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I've also been called that. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I, I'm very optimistic about the future as it relates to myself, my family, my children. Um, but I'm not equally optimistic as it goes to this country. I'm, I become more optimistic because I'm seeing people starting to fight back. But in general, sometimes, yeah, I can sound like a Debbie Downer. And here's the reason. I, let me first acknowledge my grandparents' generation. My pop-up Nespoli, my grandpa Boots Keller, both of them were in World War II, right? That generation, were it not for the, the bravery of our grandparents' generation in World War II, we right now would not be living as free Americans. We just wouldn't. They fought for our freedom. That's a real thing. They fought for our freedom. They went to war to fight for our freedom. And if they didn't do it, we'd probably be speaking German and we'd be living, we'd, be, we'd all be Nazis right? They fought for us. They were brave. They had principles. Um, but generally speaking, people are unwilling to fight, push back and resist tyranny and risk something personal like their life or their money or their social status or their friends, right? They're unwilling to risk things when their life is comfortable. It's just human nature. If you got a good life, you don't want to risk it. You don't want to mess it up. Yeah, you see some things out there that don't sit well with you. Um, you might not love that they're making people show their COVID vaccination card in order to get into a concert. You might not like that, but you're not going to rock the boat because you got it good, right? I got it good. We've got a good life, but you can't have that attitude because guess what? At a certain point that goes, bye-bye, bye-bye, good life. Um. And it seems to me people now are starting to wake up to that a little bit. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. 
And I'm optimistic about that. And it's time now for our generation to be brave and do the right thing. Not even necessarily for ourselves, but for our children and for our children's children. Like we really have to look at the, look at it that way. I've been shouting about this for two years, right? And most of it's fallen on deaf ears because people were living comfortably. But now prices are rising. Some people are losing their jobs. Society is being resegregated according to vaccination status. And people are getting pushed out of their comfort zones. And I stand up, I, I applaud the people out there in America today who are taking a brave stand and walking away from their comfortable life, walking away from their job, their income source, knowing full well they're not gonna get unemployment, just walking away because they believe in something. I seriously applaud those people. Many of us would not have the balls to do that. I applaud you and I wanna see more and more of that. So thank you. Um, <clears throat> what else? Fauci, puppy murder, right? You've all seen that. That's real. Um, they, I mean, look, it bothers me, right? They were, they were cutting puppies throats so that the puppies couldn't cry when they skinned them, put them in a box and let flies crawl all over them and eat their flesh for some weird freaking experiment. But from what I understand, these experiments we're not even expected to yield any kind of results for humanity. You know, if, if, if maybe if cutting a puppy's throat, skinning that puppy alive and letting, letting bugs eat it while it's alive is going to cure cancer or AIDS or men with giant face hogs like my nose, I might support that. I might, right? Like I'm on team people people over dogs. But that wasn't the case. It sounds like this was something where they were just, they needed to spend some money. Like all government programs, you get a budget, you need to spend it or you lose it. So they just decided to torture some fucking beagles. And that's gross. And I'm glad it's pissing people off and turning the tide against Fauci. But also, again, team people here, team people. I'm just wondering why this is what it took to, to wake people up. I mean, he probably created, and I'm not even going to say it because we're getting great numbers and I don't want to get banned. They've already banned me on Facebook pretty much. We were getting 30,000 views per post a month ago, 30,000. Now we're getting under 300. And as much as I believe in, in freedom of speech and I want to keep saying the things that I believe in on Facebook, there's some battles you just can't win. If I, if I keep doing that, they cut me off. And then my, my message reaches nobody. So there's got to be a balance there. I got to be smart. Um, anyway, we're going to have some cool merch coming up. Speaking of Fauci and puppy murder, uh, stay tuned for that next week. I think you guys are really going to dig it. I plan on wearing this merch in the next show. And I hope you guys will get out there and get some because all the proceeds from it are going to go to um, the Let Them Breathe Foundation out here in California, which is fighting for our children's right to go to school without wearing a mask and without having to get the vaccination. All right, guys. So this podcast, this podcast is sponsored by sheathunderwear.com. It's been sponsored by sheathunderwear.com for about four or five months now. I want to thank sheathunderwear.com for paying for my wife's lifestyle and, and her lobster dinners. Wonderful people there. Uh, the underwear, just the best. I was an I was a commando guy until five months ago. From the time I turned twenty until I was forty seven, I went commando. 
27 years of being commando because it's just the most comfortable, but right. But then I got this sponsorship. So you get the sponsorship. You got to put on the product. I put on the product and I'm like, whoo, this is nice. It's just the right amount of support. It's not too tight. They got the pouch. So it's like, it's like a, a cradle and a pillow for your, for your, your boys down there. Sheath underwear, go to sheathunderwear.com, code word dad. You appreciate it. Your lady will appreciate it. And let's get into the show. All right, you guys, uh, we're here with Christy Hutcherson. She's the CEO and founder of Women Fighting for America. She's been fighting illegal immigration at the border in order to protect women and children from abuse and trafficking and to protect American values and stopping our slide into socialism. Christy's a mom and a business owner, and she's one of the featured speakers coming up on the Red Pill Expo. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. We've had a couple people from the Red Pill Expo, and it, it's been terrific. So I'm excited to talk to you here. Um, all right. So just two weeks ago, we had on Dr. Julia Engel. I know you know her. And she educated us on the horrors of modern day child trafficking. And, and it, it really, frankly, it blew me away. Like she told me things I had no idea were going on in this country. Um, I've seen your YouTube videos from the border detailing what's going on there and child trafficking and whatnot. Now, the media always frames the border discussion as if it's just people coming here for a better life and we should help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, that, that doesn't, that's not always the case. Children are being bought and sold at our border. So can you tell us a little bit about what you know about that and what you've seen? Yeah, unfortunately, the the cost, the, the human toll to open borders is the exploitation of women and children. The premise that, you know, most of these people are coming here for a better life. Well, some of them are. They, they absolutely are because they live in horrific conditions in their own countries. But the answer and solution is not having America to have those open borders. Because what we've done is we've given the drug cartels, and that's plural, uh, basically a carte blanche card to not only further their uh, empire uh, in their pockets um, through this horrific act of selling women and children, and not just, by the way, into sex slave. Unfortunately, we have serious intel that we, we've identified certain uh, warehouses on the Mexican side near, near our borders. And as gruesome as this is, they are slaughtering children by the thousands and harvesting their organs for for uh, oh my god purchase, um, we're going to get into hold, hold a up, lot hold of up. that. That's that's something there. We can't just blow by that. I, that's something I never heard before. Now, when you say we have intel that mm-hmm. they are slaughtering children yeah. and harvesting organs, yeah. how, wh- what do you mean by intel? Where is this intel coming from? Where are you, how are you getting this? Yeah, so we have people who um, who work and live on the Mexican side. They also have shops. In America as well, and they're fearful of their life. Uh, they they will not go on camera, but they have given us this information, and I've we've vetted this information and we've confirmed it. And one of the things that my team and myself are going to be doing, I can't get into the details of it because it's going to be a very dangerous situation for us. But we are going to be uh, trying to get on that side of the border and going to these particular locations and getting actual film footage. Uh, we already have film. That footage sounds dangerous. Of- yeah, it, it is. Um, we also do know uh, about a month and a half ago, there was a uh, 
a cartel member in a, in a flatbed in like a pickup truck. Okay. And they were cruising and they got pulled over. And it just happened to be that these particular people who pulled them over weren't on the take. And inside the bed of that pickup truck were hundreds of children's organs. Uh, oh, this boy. did make a small blurb if you know where to look to get this information from. So this is not just about the sex trade. This is about harvesting and murder. Uh, of of innocent children and lives. Uh, The things that I've personally witnessed and seen, you can't take it back. I've been on the Mexican highways. I've been to the rape trees myself, personally, firsthand, and seen them. Uh, The lube and the condoms that are next to children's uh, little t-shirts and underwear and socks where they've been gang raped. It's it's disgusting. Uh, In this administration, as far as I'm concerned, they're facilitating it. They're, co- they're cooperating in it and they've got murder and blood on their hands. I mean, what you just told me just churned my stomach. That's, that's yeah. awful. And, and I've heard of things like that happening in Asia. We know this goes on in the world. We know, I mean, we know this, this is, this is a fact, but I've heard nothing of this happening at our border. And you're saying, you know, you, you, you talk to people who are directly involved with it. So, you, okay. Yes. So let's, let's get into something else I was planning on talking about later um, because I want to establish this right away. Now, now when I hear you say that it makes more sense to me, why, as I'm researching you, I've seen that some of the media, they've kind of been trying to discredit you. Now it makes more sense to me, right? Like if this stuff is going on and they're not reporting it, you obviously have to destroy the people who are bringing it to the attention of the American people. So let me, let me ask you this. And, and I, I want to give you a chance to defend yourself because I read January 6th. Um, it, it was called an insurrection, which seems ridiculous to me and people being held in solitary confinement for nearly a year without trial. That's inhumane. Mm-hmm. That said, there were actually crimes committed that day, trespassing. I don't know some other, there were crimes, um, but there were some accusations I've read made against you. Um, and you were quoted as saying, there's no way Joe Biden won this election. Um, and you said that January 5th outside the Capitol, and you were mentioned as someone who incited the insurrection. Do you endorse what happened at the Capitol on that day? And were you encouraging people to enter the building? Well, first of all, I had no idea what was going to happen the next day. I spoke on January 5th. Mm-hmm. How in the world was I supposed to know that uh, what happened at the Capitol took place? First of all, it was an insurrection and didn't right. even fall under... The, no. the definition direction. It, it is. I, I can tell you, I, I've worked in the D.C. area for a long time. I actually have a place up there. So I was actually in D.C. a week prior to the event taking place, doing some other things during the time. I can tell you what, what, what they're not telling is the truth. And that's, of course, they, nobody wants to ever tell the truth in this media world that we Certainly live in. Right. Because it. they're it's all propaganda. If you look at Hitler and all of this stuff, how you get communism, you control the narrative, the media, you tell a lie long enough, it becomes the truth. Right. Well, here's the truth. The truth is this. The mayor of Washington, D.C., along with an escorted police force, had several Greyhound buses filled with Antifa members dressed as Trump supporters to come in and to uh, wreak havoc and to uh, be plants, so to speak, within the crowds. OK, that, that we, we know there's so many video out there of this. There are CIA operatives, all of this stuff. If you your listeners need to understand this is this is war tactics. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you change narratives? How do you how do you figure out a way to control the people and the populace? And one of those things is look up Operation Mockingbird. 
I'm familiar. We, we've been doing this for years. We go into countries, we destabilize them. How do you do that? You get rallies, blah, blah, blah. I was um, after on January 6th, I actually was um, literally four rows from the president of the United States dead center um, was right there. And I can tell you, it was probably one of the most peaceful events I've ever been to in Washington, D.C., leading up to the Capitol incident. I personally didn't walk down to the Capitol. My security detail uh, didn't want me to. And um, I was also meeting some other family members and some other individuals at the Trump Hotel for a burger, and I had lunch there. Later on that evening, I, I took my microphone with my security team, and I did walk down the streets um, in the evening time after most of the stuff had happened. And I never approached the, the Capitol steps, never went in there. But I'm going to tell you, the video that we have, and because I knew a lot of people who were there that day videotaping, mm-hmm. and you can't trespass on the people's property, first of all. We own that property, not them. We own it. Two, there's... They literally moved the barricades, opened up the doors, and allowed you in. I've been in the Capitol on for meetings. I know people who are at the Capitol. I have friends who are congressmen. Mm-hmm. You can't just go into that building. You can't just breach that building. That's a lie. It's very difficult to get in there. Um, you, They were let in. They were yeah. welcomed in and let in. That's another question that nobody's asking. Who gave the order to the Capitol Police to remove the barriers, open up the doors, and let them in? Those are yeah. questions people aren't asking. No, they're so, not. They're not. And the, and the media does not seem interested in asking those questions at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't verify the things you said because I don't know. But two things I can verify uh, because I know you mentioned Operation Mockingbird. This is this this happened. You can read the declassified government documents and it's it's government placing people in media to change the narrative like that happened. And if it happened, it's likely still happening. And we know it's still happening because CNN and the others, they're loaded with former, they don't even hide it anymore. They just hire people coming straight out of the CIA and put them on the show. You know, you got Clapper, you got Brennan, they, they work for CNN, right? The other thing you said is that there were CIA people there. I don't know that, but I do know that a lot of the people have been who were insurrectionists. Some of the the leaders, like the number two guy and the number three guy, have been identified and not arrested. Now they're holding grandmas in solitary confinement, but they've not arrested the number two and number three guy. What could possibly be the reason for that? So there's questions that need to be answered, and nobody. I don't want to say nobody. I've seen uh, Tucker bring it up. Uh, He's doing a whole special next week that they're really trying to discredit. I'm interested in seeing that because I'm open to the possibility of these things. Um, But otherwise, they just try to silence it. And that's that's scary anytime you try to silence things. So let me ask you that. On the silencing that's been happening, this show has been silenced a couple times for innocuous things. We've been silent. We have a a Facebook page with nearly 100,000 people. They took us down three different times for quoting things from the CDC on COVID, okay? How are you fighting back against the silencing? You know, I'm going to be honest with you for the most part. I, I've i been really blessed. I, I am a Christian and I love my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think because God called me out to do what I'm doing today, because if you would have told me two years ago, this is what I was doing, I'd say you're nuts. Um, mm. I'm on a mission from the Lord himself. And because he is ordaining my steps. I don't really deal with a lot of that yet. Um, and I don't read negative stuff. I, I'm actually, until you brought it up, I, I really had no idea that there's a bunch of bad press on me out there. I tend to wow. ignore it. Good for um, you. At the end of the day, I've got really big shoulders. They're going to attack every single one of this. They're going to make up stuff. They're going to bring up stuff. 
that's a distraction and I don't have time for a distraction. We have a country to save. So I don't get myself weeded down in that. Just like I do know I have, I will tell you this, somebody did tell me on another show, um, they misunderstood what I also was talking about on January 5th for my speech because I spoke twice that day. And I said, are you ready for a revolution? And I wasn't inciting violence yeah, because I yeah. don't believe in violence at all. We have a constitution. We have a beautiful document that our for- founding fathers wrote. And if people understood our legal rights and authority, we wouldn't be in the position we're in today. So I'm asking, are you ready for that type of revolution that the founding fathers, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a death warrant for their families and for themselves. What are you willing to sacrifice to save our nation at this time? We need every American individual who loves liberty and our freedoms to rise up. And I'm not saying to rise up in violence. That's BLM and that's Antifa. That's the left. The left are the ones who are violent not us. Now, is there sometime maybe a day coming where there there might be something that we're going to have to do to push back? I don't know, but I don't advocate for that. I think we have enough legal uh legal legal things on our side to push back and get rid of an administration who clearly who clearly doesn't uphold the law of the land and it has no regard for the constitution. Uh so that's all those are the things that I was talking about. Wow. What are you willing to sacrifice? What yeah. are you willing to sacrifice for your children and your children's children? Right. Yeah. People need to start asking themselves that question because it certainly seems like we're faced with having to make that decision these days. Um, you brought, okay. You brought up Christianity. You're a Christian. Um, so let me just tell you, I grew up Catholic. I stopped worshiping in my twenties and I, I haven't raised my kids with religion, um, but I've always seek them, encourage them to seek answers. And just huh? recently, as recently as two weeks ago, I started praying with them at night, introducing that into their life. And we don't necessarily say God or Jesus. We just, we just pray. And the reason is I've noticed an, er- an erosion of morality and, and family values in this country. Mm-hmm. And it seems like our politicians are working to destroy the nuclear family. Um, and though I, I, I do think there's some terrible things going on in or, organized religions. That's why I left all that behind. I, I see that. Yeah, but, but I don't blame seems, you. Yeah, but it seems like now that now that the country is moving away from organized religion, mm-hmm. it feels like people are tribal and they need the sense of belonging to something. That's why they root for the Cowboys or the New York Giants or whatever. They need to belong to a team. And I think people, especially on the left, are replacing religion with tribalism. Um what are your what are your thoughts on the removal of religion from the United States in general and where that's leading us? Well, I don't believe in religion either. Um, let me be really clear on that. Um, religion is man-made. It's, it's not something that is from our creator. Um, I believe that, you know, we have the Lord and Savior. I have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the son of God. Um, I don't, I walked away from the church in 2012, haven't looked back. Uh, the church has been asleep for far too long. They're serving man. They've no, they haven't been serving God. And that's the reason why we have this vacuum or this void in our country. Our country is founded 100% on Judeo-Christian beliefs, Judeo-Christian values. That's what the Constitution was written by. Um, all men are created equal. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your walk of life, etc. And the left has been very, very good about filling that void and also demonizing the church in general or religion in general. Um, because religion is my personal view, it's man-made. You have all mm-hmm. of these different religions, you know, you have all of these different fractions, you have uh, 
rules, regulations, the Catholic Church, Catholicism, Buddhism, that's not um, what I serve. I serve one God and that's, that's it. I mean, he's the creator of everybody and that's my personal belief. And I've, I've can say that because before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I, I was, it was different. It was different when I said yes to Jesus and, and he changed me fundamentally inside and out. But Americans and America needs to get back to our founding, our founding principles. And I always say this, if you don't know where you've come from and you don't know who you are, you're going to fall for anything and you can't stand for the things that are important to you. I, I've tried to raise my children with that. We love everybody. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the walk of life that you come from. We are all created equal. And when you come to America, you need to assimilate into our culture. You can keep your values and your, and your traditions, but this is what we've gotten away from in America. You have to understand our constitution, how we are founded, why we are founded, what made America so great. She's not perfect. She's flawed, just like anything else. But I can tell you, she's the most perfect thing out there in the world. Or why would everybody be breaking down our doors and illegally breaking in to get here if it wasn't? Right. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So so with that, um, I'm, I'm not like the rah-rah patriotic type. I've never been that way. I, I kind of feel like patriotism is silly. Um, that said, we either need to decide, are we a country or not, right? If we're a country, you have to, and, and we're going to give benefits. We're going to charge people tax dollars, and then we're going to use those tax dollars to better our country. We need to protect the borders. Otherwise, people are just going to come here for those benefits. Mm -hmm. And that's happening now. Not only are they just coming here for those benefits, but just this week, the Biden administration announced that they want to give half a million dollars to mm -hmm. people who were separated at the border, um, who families who were separated at the border. They want to they give them reparations of sorts, right? Now, American citizens, if they won't get the COVID vaccination, they lose their job. They will not get any unemployment, they get no benefits, but an illegal can cross the border. They aren't tested. They aren't given the vaccine. They're shipped somewhere else into the country. They're given welfare. They can get an education. They can get Medi-Cal. And now they might get a half a million dollars. No matter how you feel about immigration or America or anything, isn't that just bound to build resentment amongst the people here and, and lead to something violent? That's what this administration wants. I, I just want did a, they do. Um, they, they do. They want violence. And uh, there's numerous reasons why. So I, I did a post uh, over the weekend and one of them went viral. And I'm going to talk about this. They've, they've, okay. the, the left has declared war against America. And this is very important for us to wrap our head around and understand that war has already been declared on the American people and the way of life. This is all about um, wanting a globalist agenda. And people say, oh, you know, no. Why would they want a globalist agenda? Yeah, why? Because power greed always breeds more power and greed, right? Yeah. yeah. And when you look at the families who are in power, the Rothschild, I mean, I could, we could get into all of this stuff, but I've studied my history. I've studied Mao. I've studied the communist movement. I've studied why America is the last um, beacon of hope to the world and that they're the last thing that's standing in the way for their overall globalist agenda. And 
without America falling and American people pitting against each other, division, division breeds division. That's what they want. And they want us to get to the breaking point. So because the last thing that they need to do is to take our weapons and our guns, Mm -hmm. our our Second Amendment. And that's what this is about. You're going to see an uptick in soft targets being hit. There's uh, all of these things that you're going to start seeing. Why do you think they allowed the fall of Afghanistan. This was cleverly, this was a masterful plan. People think, oh, this is incompetent. There's nothing incompetent about what this administration is doing. It's well thought out. And you've now got Afghan citizens, as Afghan people who fought alongside of our soldiers, who have been trained militarily by us, who now are living in the United States, these guys actually brought their weapons with them on military aircraft when they left Afghanistan, put their weapons on the planes, flown into Germany, and then now here with their weapons. Why is that? I'm always a person. Let's start asking the why. Well, hold hold on, to- hold on. That that's a big claim. How do you how do you know that? Um, because I have people who work in the military who help facilitate the uh, them processing into our into our through through our country. Okay. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit of background. Um, I, I don't, I don't drag my personal life into it, but we've, uh, I'm not new to politics and I'm not new to military affairs and how things work. Um, so that, that's how I know. I'm not just, yeah, I'm a mom and a patriot who left and walked out, but mm-hmm. this, I, I, I've been involved in DC, like I said, in the swamp for a long time. So I understand the inner workings. We have people and I have individuals who give us information and uh, we vet them. And these are facts. Uh, so then you have the border. Yeah. The open border is not about bringing in women and children. That's the front, right? That's the heartstring part of it. Let's yeah. pull on the American people's heartstrings. All the while, while we're bringing in military age young men from all over the world, by the way, 165 plus different countries. Out of those 165 plus countries, um, a huge amount of them, a handful of them are from very serious terrorist countries and nations. These are young men. You can see it on the videos. You can see it. Where are they taking them? Some of them they've put on military aircraft and they're staying in our bases. What are they doing with them on our bases? They're in Fort Bliss alone. There's a separate area within that base that is highly fortified with, with um, bob wire. You can't get in and can't get out. What are they doing in there? There's places all throughout the country that they've set up that I've personally videoed and been to where it's like Fort Knox. And if you question the guards, they bring more guardsmen over there to intimidate you, to tell you to get away from these areas. Wow. We've got a serious problem in our country let, right let, now. Let me ask those videos. Where can we, where can we see those? If people want to go see those? Well, I've turned them over to, um, I, I need, I've turned them over uh, to some individuals uh, because it was really important so they can understand what this administration's doing. Gotcha. I'm that's all I can say about that. Okay. So this is, this is something big enough that you thought it needed to get in the right hands. And if you put it on YouTube, it would probably be just censored. That's yes, the correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, when you say they want division, I don't think anybody can been have paying attention for the last couple of years and not see that just in, in my, my own close uh, social circle of friends, people, we have people who, with very different views, uh, some conservatives, some liberals, you know, we're out here in California, there's broad spectrum of views. Everybody suddenly is a hundred percent passionate about the things that they believe in. And there's no longer any nuance in discussion. There's just mm-hmm. anger. And that does it doesn't feel like an accident. Like 
I've, I, I've stopped having conversations because it doesn't feel like people want to talk anymore. They feel, it feels like people just, they're ready to go. They want to fight. And when you talk about the second amendment, um, I have guns. I, I used to feel differently about the second amendment. I used to be on board with, you know, some, some common sense gun laws make sense. Okay. I used to, I used to feel that way. This is one position where I've changed my mind. I don't change my mind frequently, but when you see the assault, on free speech that we have seen in this country for the last five years. Well, you realize that there is no free speech without that second amendment. So now I'm, I'm a hundred percent on team second amendment. Like we cannot allow them to make any changes to what we are allowed to, to possess, mm-hmm. to protect ourselves, to protect our family, especially when you see the violence that's been going on in our streets. We're already at civil war. It may be mostly a cold civil war, but we're already there. Mm-hmm. And the violence is ramping up. What is your goal in in everything you're doing? What are you hoping to accomplish? If I can expose a little bit of truth to the American people and peel back the onion layer and the deception that this administration along with the media outlets and those who have harm against our nation, if I can expose that and get anybody to listen and wake up and really understand Mm -hmm. what is going on in our nation and what is truly at risk, that's what my overall arching goal is. And then to activate people, we've got to activate. We don't people, I get really frustrated right now. And I've been on the road since August of last year, and I've been to over 30 States. I've seen a lot. Um, I've been away from my family and I've been in the trenches and on the front lines. I've dealt with cartels. My, my team has rescued seven children from literally out of the hands of cartels. Um, This isn't something that I haven't been there and be willing to risk my life for in my country. And we do not have much time left. They they've tasted the power. They've gotten it back. Trump was their little blimp that um, was the roadblock for them. And now they're full force. You can see it and look at what, this administration has done since January and how much you think for one minute, they're going to give up that taste of power and go back. They're not. So I get really frustrated when people say, Oh, wait till 24. If you don't wake up right now and start pushing back, stop the complying, stop doing unconstitutional mandates. Yes. It might be a sacrifice to lose your job. I get it. We have to, we have to buy food. You have to be able to put food on the table on the roof of your house. But at the end of the day, None of that's going to matter because every single one of you, they know who you are. They know what you voted for. They know your values. You're on a list. Make no mistake. You're on a list. Yeah. Well, if any, if any show I've done so far is going to get us pulled off iTunes, this is is probably the one. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, That's all right. But, um, when you say activate people and, and I'm wondering what that means now to, to, but I think you kind of touched on it later. People have to be willing to take some personal hits to their own life, like stop complying. And when I say that to, I say that to my wife and children and my wife gets, gets mad at me. She's not really into all of this stuff. She doesn't pay it really pay attention. It doesn't seem to concern her. She's, you know, one of those people who just goes, goes about her life and God, God bless her, you know, like bliss, ignorance is bliss. Right. But if, if we, what we need, what I feel like we need is a whole new economy to rise up where people who do not fall in line with the current narrative can still uh, matriculate and work and have a life and go to school. Because right now, yes, 
um, standing up for what you believe in means not having a job, possibly your kids, possibly not being able to go to school. So we need need to build an infrastructure where we can stand up for what we believe in and not be totally ostracized. So are things like that, are, are plans being laid for things like that? How do we do something like that? They're already in the works. They've been in the works. I'm fortunate enough, you know, General Flynn and Clay Clark and and I, I work with them and they're building a Patriot Network. Uh, there's other individuals. I'm working on getting a whole list and resource page up of companies that are pro-American co- companies. We're building a list of people who are uh, importers, exporters who believe in this nation and who aren't selling out to to uh, you know the CPP and all of the it's China and and doing all that stuff. So we're in the works right now of building all of this infrastructure up. I know you can go to my website, you can go to Awaken America's website and some others that I I'd be more than happy to list for you that there's there's hope out there. We are doing it right now. Patriot cell phones, um, satellite companies. I, I have a satellite phone. So there's there's hope out there. It's just you have to be. This might not be easy. You know, it's easy to get on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon hates America. Bezos is a globalist. Why mm-hmm. are you buying on Amazon? Stop it because it's easy. Walmart. They're another company. They're they're not a good company. So when Americans stop doing the same routine and start putting their money, their faith, their time, their talents in companies that love America, that's when the shift is going to happen. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Walmart and Amazon. And if you don't think these things have been intentional and that that uh, the elites have chosen a side, all you need to do is look at the start of this pandemic. They shut down American-owned businesses and you couldn't go anywhere except Walmart. For some reason, you could go to Walmart and Target and Amazon. Like to me on that day, it became crystal clear. I couldn't go to my corner store where there might be three people and get a fucking sandwich. Excuse my language, <laughs> but I could, go, but I could go to Walmart and there'd be a thousand people there. Cause it was the only place you could go. No logic to it. Now you can say it's bad decisions. Just like you can say it's People were saying it was a bad decision the way we left Afghanistan. To be honest, I'm happy we left Afghanistan. I was asking for that for a long time. But we left in a horrific way, and that wasn't an accident. Like these, you don't make that, you don't make the accident of leaving behind 90 billion in weapons. That's that's a decision that you made for a reason. Um, the border. Okay, let's get back to that because that's your specialty. Uh that we we hear about never ending this pandemic, but what what we never hear about is that more kids are dying now than ever before from drug overdose, fentanyl mm-hmm. specifically. That's all mm-hmm. coming in through the border. That's right. an ep- that's an epidemic. That's an epidemic. Yeah. Now, when you when you say anything about the border, you anybody else, they immediately throw the racism card. That's what they do with anything, <laughs> and. You know, I I was talking about uh, colorblind society 20 years ago. My wife's Filipino. None of my friends are white. I'm not a racist. And that label's even been thrown at me. And I used to fight back against it. Now I'm like, whatever, I'm fucking racist. Call me whatever you want. Even if you're black or Latino and you're Mm -hmm. talking about the border or you're Larry Elder and you're running for governor and you're pushing back against the message and you're a black man, they call you racist. They call you the white face, the black face of white supremacy. Okay. Um. So how do we fight back against a narrative like that? Because it seems to be their, their only weapon, but it seems to be a very effective one. 
Well, when you fight back and you acknowledge it, you're giving them power. You're putting the power back in their hands. Just ignore it, to be quite frankly with you. The labeling, I call it the labeling, the great, the great political correctness labeling. They started this in the early 90s, right? Late 80s, early 90s, and it kind of built momentum. Again, if you study um, rules for radicals, you look at how how the Nazis and the Mao and the Stalins, that's part of the uh, that's part of the art of war that they're utilizing because it polarizes you and it makes you mm-hmm. be silent. That's their way of controlling you. And if you ignore it, I know who I am. My friends know who I am. I'm not a racist. I love everybody. Doesn't matter, just like you are. Don't give them the power anymore. Basically tell them up yours. The only racist here is you and I'm going to move on with my business. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a tough one though because it's it's one that stings. Like they're really they're going at your humanity and and that's what you're fighting for is humanity, right? Now at the border. Let's 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 get back to the border. Um you these things you told me that you know are going on, the harvesting of body parts. Still, I'm 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 blown away by that statement. Mm-hmm. Is this something that will be brought to the, yes. of the American people? Like, yes, people, that's one thing people they draw the line there, right? Yep. So, what's what's going on there? How are you getting this out? Um, I I can't get into some of this stuff. Well, have me back on. You can have me back on when I'm finished with my story. Um, okay. Because what we do, like I said, it's this is a very big business for the cartel. We're talking into the billions of dollars a year. Uh, I I don't uh, I don't travel anymore without major. I have twenty four hour security, and I don't have security because I just want to have security. I, I have a bounty on my head, and um, wow. from numerous different directions. Um, what I do is very dangerous, and I take it very seriously. Um, and, you know, spending seven months on the border from Tijuana, Mexico to Texas, you learn a whole lot. I've, I've talked to sheriffs and mayors and cartel and federales and victims of trafficking and children. You name it, I've done it. Uh, and been in the stash houses, been in the houses where you've got uh, human, I mean, uh, animal sacrifices, where the cartel have sacrificed um, even animals. This is serious business. There, there are, is a war going on in our border. We have videotape, and I, I have no problem with sharing this videotape with you. I'll send it over to you if you'd like. It's very graphic, however, of, of right over the border of McKinney, Texas, drug cartels chopping off people's heads, putting it on top of car hoods and smacking the, the, the head. Um, I have a photo, mm. a video of a journalist being murdered and shot over 57 times until his guts are oozing out. This is what's going on in our border. You're not hearing this on the news, are you? No, no, we're we're not hearing any of that on the news. And yeah, you know what? I I don't want to see those videos, but I would love to to be able to look at that to to tell my audience at least we have a good size audience that this yes I saw this this happened right like I I would like to be able to say that. Um, you know, and you 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 bring all these things up, and you're not. Let's make it clear, you're not just some mom who loves Trump and, and is out there on Facebook. You're at, you've been at the border for the better part of a year, witnessing these things firsthand and getting directly involved. Like you put your life on the line because you feel about this. And number one, thank you for doing that because what, what percentage of people are willing to do something like that? So thank you. But I want people to, to know that you're, you're speaking from a place of knowledge. You've, you've been there and mm-hmm. you've seen it. Um, 
what got you going in this direction in the first place? What, what woke you up to this that you wanted to get involved? Um, at the border, I had a friend, um, who, who is, uh, active in, uh, politics, not really politics, but um, loving her country. And I got a phone call from her back in uh, the beginning of February. And she said, Christy, I have a friend who called me from Yuma, Arizona. And would you go down to the border and see what's going on down there? Because something's happening. They're afraid to leave their house. People are being, uh, you know, raped and, you know, theft is on the rise and all of these things in Yuma. And they're, they're afraid to go on the record. And I said, well, let me pray about it. And I, I thought about it and prayed about it for a day. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to go down there for a photo op or just for a few days. I really wanted to see what's going on at the border. Mm-hmm. So, I took uh, two security individuals with me and a small camera, a guy with a camera, and uh, flew into San Diego, went into Tijuana, Mexico, and spent that particular trip. I spent four weeks driving across uh, the border towns and interviewing everybody who I could get my hands on and had no idea where it was going to lead me. And the more I started seeing, the more I started realizing from a national, not just from a humanitarian perspective, but from a national security perspective what was going on down there. We even have plasma banks set up along border towns where you've got illegals coming over, Mexicans coming over, standing in lines for hours, getting, you know, twice a week to give their plasma and go back over. There's so much, there's so many questions that need to be answered on the why and the how of what, why this administration would do what they're doing. I have a really good idea because of of what I've done in the past and the people that I'm surrounded with, but I've always said this. If anybody wants to come down to the border, I'll be more than happy to take you to the border. I don't do photo ops. I've been asked before by people running for office, and there's only two people I've ever brought down to the border um, because I don't do photo ops. I'm not into that. You really want to know what's going on? You're going to need to be down there for several days, two, three days, and you'll get a really good picture of what the atrocities that are taking place. And Mm -hmm. by the way, the National Guard, and the border patrol and all of them there's a lot of really good players out there but i'm here to tell you they are they are complicit we have video of the national guard communicating with the drug cartel coyotes as they're bringing over um, these trafficked individuals as they're getting off the rafts we're asking them how much did you pay the cartel they're verbally telling us how much they paid the cartel which is the coyote right there and the national guardsmen instead of arresting that coyote cuz by the way that's international crime mm-hmm. and that was admitted And instead, they're coordinating times. When is that raft going to end? We're going to start up again at this time and then joking with the cartels. That's disgusting. Yeah, it it sure is disgusting. Um, We've we've um, seen from, you know, from history, from Germany, from the Nuremberg trials, people are are willing to go along with some awful things uh, just because they're told to do so. Right. Because they they decide that I don't need to make a moral judgment here. It's my job. And they just go along with it. Most most people, 90 percent of people aren't leaders. Right. They're taking orders. Um, So if you can get a grasp on power and you're the one handing out orders and uh, then you can make some horrible things happen. And then there's another sect of people in society who will just do things because it's their job and they need money. Right. So I believe you that that the border guards would do some horrible things, not necessarily because they're horrible people, but because they are not leaders. Um, 
so the only way it seems to me to to end these things is to take back some power. Um, and I don't think I'm not sure taking back power. I've had other people on. We've talked about this and some people believe that we can still win this through elections and whatnot. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't tend to think so. I've never trusted ele- elections my entire adult life. Um, but I think the best way to take back power is just to realize that they don't really have power over us. Like if people just realize that if we don't comply, if we say no, what are they going to do? They're not going to throw 150 million Americans in prison. It's impossible. So we need to get people on the same page to just say no. Um, with all this COVID stuff, um, everything that's been going on with COVID, what, let me just ask you, what's your take on the whole COVID situation? The mandates, um, the the vaccine, all of it. What, 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 what's your vibe on it? Well, COVID is real. It was created in a lab. It was created as a bioweapon against against the world, and it was um, unleashed perfectly. And it's, I, I know people who have unfortunately passed away from COVID, but it's because they're not um, afforded uh, the drugs that counteract COVID. We know this. There's too many studies from all over, from different countries who have utilized these other protocols, mm-hmm. whether you believe it or not, when, when something's completely shut down and it's like taken off the internet the moment you mention it, sure. or the, even the CDC um, wipes it off, even though before it was, yes, it was good. You have to start questioning the why. Why right. is mm-hmm. this, right? So I'm a why questioner. And instead of just being led down the primrose path, um, COVID was the most brilliant bioweapon created to take down America. And I was really taken back how we gave up all of our rights and security and our freedom for a little bit of safety. And Benjamin Franklin said it best, when you give up those, you deserve neither. And we need to understand if you want to get the COVID vaccine or not, Again, I believe in the Constitution. So that's your constitutional right. But you do not have a constitutional right to tell me that I have to take something and put it in my body. Uh, And especially something that, quite frankly, we have no idea. We have no idea truly how it's going to affect us long term. And then my other question is this. If it works so great, right? Right. Why is it that? no more. It's done. (laughs) Yeah. Why is it that the uh, Congress, the Senate, the Supreme Court, the White House, the CDC, why are they all exempt? Why are all the illegals exempt? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself these questions. What, yeah. Why are the postal workers exempt? If, if exempt. the idea is you want to get it to people who interact with other people, the, the post office goes to every house in America. They literally interact with everybody. Um, yeah, you, you talk about it. It's a bioweapon. We just, okay. So there's been the back and forth with Rand Paul and Fauci through this whole thing. And Fauci denied the NIH involvement in gain of function research forever. And just last week he changed his story and said, yeah, we did gain of function research, but it wasn't the bad kind. Like how many times do they have to lie to you before you stop believing them cnn with the the i i believe when you're talking about what they're doing in other countries i believe one of the things you're talking about is the horse paste right they had the whole horse paste story with with joe rogan like it was just it was just a flat out lie um my family we went we started the process of moving to panama panama we got our um 
temporary visas there. And while we were there, we picked up buckets of horse paste. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's what we've been riding with. And, you know, I just, I don't trust, and I'm not the kind, I've never been a conspiracy theorist guy. I've never Mm-mm. been one of those. No. Um, but I don't trust anything these people are telling me anymore because I've seen them lie too many times going back to the crash in 2008, going back to some certain events in 9-11. They have lied over and over and over and over. So why are you going to believe them? Now, we're, we're, we're out of time. I'm, I, I appreciate you coming on and enlightening my audience uh, with some of these horrific things. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, where can people, how can people get involved? They can text the word fight to 91776. So text say, the say word again. fight. Text the word fight to 91776. Or you can go straight to my webpage at WFFA.win. W, that was a weird one. WFFA. WIN. Dot W-I-N. Well, I'm going to do both of those things as soon as we get off of here because I, I've i learned a lot just from doing this podcast. Quite honestly, I've talked to a lot of interesting people. You're definitely one of the more interesting ones. And I want to do more than just run my fat mouth. I want to get involved because I believe you uh, were in for a fight. So thank you so much for coming on. Keep up. Keep doing the things you're doing. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you. All right.